Just sublime, is that the right word? Who is 80 years old today? Joni Mitchell. No one else sounds like Canadian singer Joni Mitchell. This is Joni's most covered song with over a thousand versions recorded, including Frank Sinatra and Bing Crosby. And one musician that looked up to the folk jazz icon was none other than Prince, who referenced Joni in The Ballad of Dorothy Parker. In an interview, Joni saying, Prince used to write me fan mail <laughs> with all of the U's and hearts. That way he writes. And the, my office took it as mail from the Lunatic Fringe and tossed it. <laughs> uh, just such a unique singer, right, Jenny? Absolutely. Beautiful voice. And you're a fan, aren't you? Oh, gosh, yeah. No, no, she is... Um, yeah, the words fail me, really, but uh, she's extraordinary. and Unique um, in so many ways, eh? No, no one else well, like Joni. She's just transcended yeah. all all aspects of rock music. She's gone from folk to rock to jazz to, you know, to, she's she's unparalleled in my book. And if there's any listeners out there that love her, you should check out Laura Nero and Judy Sill as well. They're in the same ilk. Very good. Uh, Joni Mitchell, happy birthday, Joni. Uh, look, a huge response regarding your experiences, particularly uh, women's experiences at mechanics. Try buying a car. <laughs> I went to a garage in Grafton and stood for 15 minutes being totally ignored. Eventually, someone came up to us and addressed my 15-year-old son, who was standing beside me. We <laughs> left. Uh, another one here. We went and looked at a $30,000 car, a lot for us, a few years back at a major uh, Japanese car brand dealership here in Christchurch. My wife found the car and it ticked all the boxes. The male salesperson just ignored her. We ended up walking out. My wife emailed the manager and told him what she thought of the service and that it cost them a sale. Two weeks ago, we bought a new electric car from a female salesperson, and she was just fantastic. We will always give feedback and vote with our feet, says Paul in Christchurch. Uh, thank you for your response this afternoon. Absolutely loving it. And here we go. I'll sneak this in before five o'clock. Like your general quiz questions for Professor Alan Blackman <laughs> coming in thick and fast. <laughs> Um, uh, he, he's right. He's rising to the challenge. Uh, here's your question, uh, Alan: Which animal causes most human deaths? I will tell you the answer. Prob- probably human. Would I'll, be my guess. I will tell you the correct answer at one minute to five. The panel uh, NZ. I'm National. going for lions. <laughs> It's 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 not a lions. It's not humans. You can have it. You can try. Text me two one zero one. Which animal is responsible for most human deaths? <clears throat> well, the awareness of engineered stone for bench tops and the dust created has been growing. Inhalation of dust can cause silicosis and incurable and sometimes fatal disease that scars the lungs. To see how more stonemasons could be tested, the government has funded a pilot, the government did fund a pilot study in which occupational health nurses visited workshops. It was highly critical of how 
New Zealand agencies responded once the danger from engineered stone dust became clear. And these same failures put workers in other industries at an unacceptable worst, risk, rather, warned the report. Estimates of around 1,000 stonemasons, current and former, at risk. With us is occupational health nurse researcher Heidi Borner, who co-authored the evaluation of the pilot programme. Heidi, nice to have you on the panel. Oh, well, thank you very much for having me. Um, uh, just to, to let you know that I'm here on behalf of uh, the team that worked very hard on this project and has been working tirelessly for the last four years trying to um, get some attention drawn to it. So, yeah, and it's become um, quite an issue, hasn't it, in the last three or four years. Tell me what sort of practices were you seeing in New Zealand? Yeah, so... Um, I mean, and, and the other the other part of what I'm really thankful for today is is actually informing workers and employers about this as well, because the practices that we are seeing um, are falling short of what is required, um, largely because we don't have a national strategy on workplace health that um, we can draw from, um, and therefore prevention gets forgotten. Uh, with a with a lot of focus on disease, like we're talking about today, um, and the other the other issue is that engineered stone is just one one um, uh, hazard of many that affect the the lungs and other organs of the body. So w- we are sitting in um, a, a quite a an important part of um, of uh, preventing how uh, preventing illness in workplaces. Uh, WorkSafe estimates there's 750 to 900 work-related deaths per year uh, related to um, illness. Do you know what tradespeople working in the benchtop industry think of this issue? Yeah, well, through our project, we worked um, very closely with them and Alexandra Mutu, who started the first project in New Zealand back in 2018-2019, it's scary. It's really scary for people to think that they might um, have this illness from this exposure. So there's fear. Um, They're quite confused about how the system works, who they talk to, um, how they can mitigate it. Uh, and and there's stressors around will they be able to stay employed in that role where they've been trained or what kind of job are they and work are they going to be able to do after so so there's a lot that um what we found was the occupational health nurses because they go on site um they can actually provide great guidance and support for both workers and the business so it's about taking health into the workplace and actually working with the businesses and the workers to prevent any exposure to, to a lot of these we, um, yeah. um, hazards. We have a panel, Heidi. Thank you for that. Uh, Jenny, your thoughts? Yeah, well, I guess um, prevention is is really the best solution to this problem, um, although I noted in the article that they are talking about banning engineered um, stone um, in Australia. Um, and I guess, you know, if we're coming into a world where AI becomes prevalent, is this actually, you know, the cutting of the stone, which is presumably where the biggest issue is? If, if someone had appropriate ventilation, vacuuming of the dust, and it was done in a controlled area with computer laser cutting, you know, is that the solution to the issue? Or is it really even just residual dust that can be lying yeah. around on the stone after it's cut? Absolutely. It can be both. Um, so when you think about the allowable limit is, 
is enough dust that can sit on the head of a pin um, okay. in an eight-hour period. So the margin of error for this is really tiny. Um, and you can be wearing respirators and have this all done in a cutting room. But who cleans the cutting room? And then A head of a you... pin? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So the margin of error is very small. And in Canada and the U.S., they are actually reducing that down to half. So we'll have half of a head of a pin going forward. So, so it is, um, if it can be a completely enclosed process and usually underwater uh, with, the, with some um, uh, computer-generated cutting, um, and then also the, the, remembering the whole production line has to then be separating the dust from humans. So that is also the cleaning process, the disposal process, um, and then what do we do with them after um, it, to, to put it into landfill? Because you don't want it to ever become airborne anywhere, mm. or then it affects the public. Alan, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, well, um, you know, in chemistry, funnily enough, we use silica in the lab, and you know, you're always very, very careful when you're using that. You use it in a fume hood so you've got negative pressure and it's busy sucking everything away from you and stuff. But um, reading the article about this, uh, again, it seemed to be that, yes, the people who were doing the cutting and stuff seemed to know the rules, but they were just sort of not abiding by them because, as often happens, sort of familiarity breeds contempt. They know best. They've been doing it for a squillion years and, you know, so why should they have to... mask up and use all the safety equipment and stuff when they've been doing it for forever so you know it's the whole you can lead a horse to water thing you can have all these rules written down and everything but it's a matter of getting people to actually obey them and do you want to comment on that Heidi yeah I'm, I would say it's more the system supporting people to actually work in a way that is safe and and I think that's why we're caught that's why we're calling for a national strategy for this is is what are the ways that we can actually help and um support workers and businesses to be able to do the right thing all the time. Uh, and, you know, to speak to your your question about banning it, um, this is just one hazard of many airborne ones. So if we ban it, it'll just be replaced by something else. So that's our concern. And the something else's that are out there are just as nasty as, as um, respirable, <clears throat> excuse me, crystalline silica, which is the tiniest particles that get down into the very deep part of the lung. Well, it's it was quite the issue, Heidi, and we hope to um, have you back on the panel discussing this issue. But for now, Kia thank you for your time. That's thank you very much. Heidi Berner there, uh, who co-authored the evaluation of the pilot program, talking about this uh, yeah, quite extraordinary issue. Um, awareness of engineered stone for bench tops can cause silicosis and a curable and sometimes fatal disease that scars the lungs. Wow, amazing the sort of feedback we're getting today. Uh, Jeanette Mpairo says, Happy birthday, Joni Mitchell. I was so lucky to meet her in the 80s when oh. working for Warner Music. Wow. Dinner at the French Cafe oh. with, oh. with, jo- oh. with Joni Mitchell. Uh, wow. There's, yeah. there's, yep. there's one for the memoirs, right? Wow. Uh, she's a beautiful soul, which obviously shows in her iconic music. Meanwhile... Uh, our text machine has been run off its feet. You're all trying to guess. Uh, <laughs> you're all trying to guess. I might have to do this once a week. Um, the one general question. Uh, I asked you what animal causes the most human deaths. 
Ginny says the lion. No, no the human. I was joking. Oh. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, Jenny, come on. It really our, was. Our, our general quiz pro says the lion. Um, you're all saying the hippopotamus. Um, but no, that's not true. You're going to have to wait till. Can one... I have a second guess? Sure. Well, I think it might be the horse. No, it's not, not the horse, no. Oh, it's not the horse. So okay. It seems a bit mos- more reasonable because the average person doesn't really see a lion. Is yeah, a mosquito so an animal? So it's... You got it. <laughs> oh, it is a mosquito. You got it. Well okay. done. Yeah, well done, you. Yeah, there you go. <clears throat> Good on you. Uh, so well done there, Alan. Uh, to this, Alan Blackman and Jenny Morton today. Well, they've been called the eyes and ears of the police for your local area, but what is it really like to be a community Patroller. Over 4,000 men and women across Aotearoa volunteer their time to help keep their communities safe. This year alone, they've collectively spent nearly 90,000 hours patrolling our streets. It's all organised by CPNZ Community Patrols New Zealand, which is funded at national level by the New Zealand Police and Government. They work hard to make a difference. They need more help with us, is CPNZ. Trust Board Chairperson Chris Lawton. Kia ora, Chris. Kia ora. Well, Wallace, nice to be on this show. It's nice to have you here, and in a time where we're often talking about, hey, how can we keep our streets that little bit safer, here we have community patrols. What does an average shift encompass, Chris? Yeah, an average shift uh, uh, encompasses, uh, first of all, getting a briefing from police, uh, whether that's by uh, by online or various things, and, and then uh, in, in pairs uh, patrolling their local communities uh, with the knowledge of where crime occurs, but also where people are at risk or, or vulnerable. Uh, so that they, they patrol with, a, I guess, a, a, a passion uh, to be out there at the right times, right places, uh, and meeting people in, in, in their communities. So all, all, all our volunteers are, are vetted. First of all, they're selected, but they're vetted through the police system, uh, undergo a training a training uh, program, and then they get um, on up on the street with uh, with other senior patrollers um, and, and just out there do, doing really good stuff, but also working towards uh, safer communities um, and making sure that they have the, I mean, they employ the local knowledge, which is very, yeah. very valuable. They know what areas are being hit. For instance, the you know the, the recent ram raids and all the bits and pieces, and maybe focusing right now. Of course, they're focusing on uh, on the on the on the dairies and all the places where ram raids have occurred. Fortunately, the numbers are coming down. Um, but yeah, they're uh, they're just members of the public, like you and I, who who decide to uh, put their hand up to do something extra to make people feel safe yeah. uh, and ultimately be safer. It's a it's a it's quite a good initiative, Jenny. I was thinking of uh, joining our local community patrol when you know there was a there was a bit of a spike uh, a couple of years ago in you know uh, homes around the street getting broken Correct. into that type of thing, Jenny. Yeah. And it was like, oh well, you know, what can I do to go out, you know, every so often. Uh, with the patrol. But Jenny, do you have a question or a thought? Well, I have a thought actually. Well, I, I, there's a woman I know who was part of her, um, who, who joined the, her local community patrols and uh, unfortunately due to ill health she hasn't been able to carry on with it. But she loved it. She yeah. absolutely yeah. loved, um, she loved being part of something that was bigger than just, you know, her world. Mm. But she And she loved giving back. But she also said it was fun and it was exciting and it was, it was better than sitting home watching the TV on a Friday night <laughs> to get out. And she said, you know, it can be little things like 
letting a business know that there's a, a window open that would offer access to that building or ah. just keeping an eye on the schools, making sure that no one's in there, you know, setting them on fire or any of those other you're right. things. You're right, Jenny, and often it's the little things and uh, I often get to talk to the patrollers around the country and they say, look, you know, I saw I saw a young woman sitting at a bus stop at, late at night by herself and we just parked the car nearby and waited until she got onto the bus. Oh, and, I, and I think, well, what a nice thing to do mm-hmm. because, you know, a, a young woman by herself sometimes is, is, is she's vulnerable um, and look, you know, they made sure that she got home to her parents and uh, and, and, and kept part of the community safe that, mm. that could, you know, we, we, we never know when attacks might occur or, or things might yes. be occurring. Um, so being out there and being a it's a. It's not a vigilante thing. It's a community patrol that's out there uh, with with the permission, if you like to use that word, of the police. Uh, we work under a, an MOU, a Memorandum of Understanding, uh, and every year we look at outcomes. Uh, so it's a professionally run organisation that allows people to step up and do something uh, for other people in their communities. Just a quick thought, Alan. Yeah, um, Chris, these are the people who should be um, hitting the New Year's honours lists and stuff like that, as far as I'm concerned. This is entirely selfless stuff. Very very, very quick question. Um, safety. I mean, they are putting themselves possibly potentially at risk. So what happens in terms of, of keeping safe? Yeah, correct, correct. So so we're really risk averse. We want people to be out there. Uh, we don't want them to en- engage. Uh, if they see a conflict at all, uh, our advice uh, and our rules really is that you back off because you, you, you're reporting to the police. So outside of Auckland and, and, and Wellington, uh, patrols have a police radio. So oh, wow. they can be straight on to the police system, uh, and uh, if they haven't got a radio, they've got a, a, a special number they can ring to get straight through to the district coordination centres and pass on the information. Uh, so they work really close. They they know the police officers who are on shift with them. Yeah. Uh, some of the some of our patrollers attend the the light up the briefing before uh, the police start their work. So they know what's going on. They know the the current um, problems that are, well, that the community is facing. Chris, so it's lovely to have you on just to shine at least a little bit of light of what uh, you folk are doing so I really appreciate your time I very much appreciate the uh, the, the call thank you. That's Chris Lawton there from CPNZ Community Patrols uh, New Zealand and you can join uh, if you would like to. Now uh, just a word Melbourne Cup at 5pm 7 minutes time you'll need to tune into our AM or FM frequency in order to hear the race Uh, you uh, we will not be carrying the race via those platforms. That's the uh, web or app or through RNZ Pacific. Uh, but RNZ will be carrying the feed live at five. So stay tuned to RNZ. People are saying, hey, I missed the animal that kills the most. <laughs> it's the mosquito. There you go. But finally, in another wonderful panel show and tell series, I love this occasional little feature. The adults version of show and tell. Recall when you did it at primary school or with us this afternoon, we have Helen. Welcome, Helen. Hi, Wallace. Thank you. Oh, I, I love this little feature. What do you have tucked away that you can tell us about? I have tucked away a series, probably about 25 autographs. But I, I started collecting them when I was probably 13, so that would have been seven, 1972. Nice. I got... And what when, did... I mean, I was too young to go to the concerts, but I used to write them a letter and sometimes they replied. 
and you know, sent me a program or autographed a program and sent it. And yeah, yeah. Uh, Who do you uh, what, give us? Give us a give us two or three names that you have, Helen. Um, I've got Billy Connolly. Nice. I've got Spike Mulligan. Oh. I've got Kenny Rogers, oh. Rod Stewart. And probably my biggest, well, I mean, it's not really a claim to fame when I think about it, but um, I was too young to kind of realise the apartheid thing. And when 1976, sorry, the South African softball team came here and did a, a big championship thing, and I wrote to them. And they turned up on a bus at my house with an autograph <laughs> programme for me. <laughs> <laughs> Helen, thank you for sharing your wonderful piece of show and tell. That's just so lovely. Uh, that's yeah, a, 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 a collection of celebrity autographs there, which uh, Helen started collecting uh, when she was a teenager. Rod Stewart, Kenny Rogers. Uh, a, a very personal one now, and quite spe- really quite special, actually. We have an Ototahi uh, Christchurch, Tom. Kia ora, Tom. Uh, kia ora, Wallace. Yeah, what, what's your one? Oh, look, I always kept a little uh, letter from my mum, and I've always just had it folded away in a, a letter-writing case from when I was a child. And um, it was possibly nearly probably the last letter she wrote before she passed away when I was about nine years old. And um, it just reads, um, Dear Tom, to hope you are being good boys. Enjoy yourselves. I've just had a bath. Oh, dear, I shall be glad to get home. My love to you all, Mummy. Mm. And unfortunately, she died um, yeah, when I was nine of a brain tumour. Uh, that was probably one of the last letters. But I've just kept it as, uh, as I wear her wedding uh, ring too. Oh, and, um, Tom. That is just <clears throat> so special, you sharing that um, personal um, memory. Isn't this wonderful, Jenny? Oh, it's lovely. And it's just, you know, I think, I think Tom's story just goes to show that Special things and mementos can be the simplest of things. They don't have to be, you know, the big fancy things. They can just be simple yeah. things that are special and mean yeah. something to us. That's so and true. Sh- That's so true, Tom. Yeah, and I should point out that my dad had died when I was 10 months. Oh, oh, I, was oh, born, I, was, I was born in Egypt and um, he was killed by terrorists. And so I think the loss was greater for my mum because they, they married in 1939 and waited 12 years to have children because of the war. Oh and then not to see your children grow up, I think her loss was greater than mine. So, Tom, that's probably the most special show and tell we've had. We've had some good ones, including a letter from Charles Darwin. But, uh, yes, you do. I remember that. Yeah, but the, this, this really is was, was quite something. So, wow. again, I uh, appreciate your time on the panel. Thank you. Love your show, Wallace. Oh, thank you very much, Tom. And if you have a little bit of a show and tell, something really special in your cupboard, could you please email me at the panel at rnz.co.nz. All right, very soon the Melbourne Cup is going to be underway in probably, what, uh, three minutes' time. You have upset me, Wallace. You said animal, not creature. Yeah, yeah. Mosquito <laughs> is was, an like, insect, yes. not an in a bike crappie. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. I was wondering about that. Oh, so. come on. Splitting hairs. Oh. It's general. <laughs> Generally. Anyway. Hey, Wallace. It, yeah. Well, can I just say, what a lovely show. We've had some amazing people on today. We've had the woman who heads up Diabetes New Zealand. We've had the guy from the community patrols. And we've had Tom. And what you, amazing Jenny. people. Thank we've you, had, Jenny. 
We've had some amazing people. And don't forget yourself. And our <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Hey, kia ora both. Lovely show. Thank you. I'm Wallace Chapman, the panel. I'm back 3.45 with those horns. Checkpoint with Lisa Owen next.